This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Malcare. Learn more about Malcare at malcare.com. You've heard me talk about Malcare before, but they're back with some interesting updates. Not only are they the WordPress plugin with instant WordPress malware removal, well, let me read some of these features. Deep malware scanning. They know about malware that other plugins don't. Number two, that one-click malware removal process makes it super easy to remove from your WordPress website. And number three, a new feature called Autobot Ultra Defense System. Okay, I made that Ultra Defense System part up, but get this, it automatically blocks the bots hitting your website. So not only does that protect your website, but in the long run, it'll improve speed of your site from not letting those bots through the doors. Check out Malcare at malcare.com. That's malcare.com. I don't want to be a malware specialist. You don't either. Check out malcare.com. Thanks for supporting the show. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Gravity Forms, one of the most trusted, longest-lasting OGs of the WordPress product space. Gravity Forms 2.5 has arrived. All new builder experience, tons of certified developer add-ons, and the most accessible form plugin in existence. If you're doing complex form stuff on your WordPress project, user registration, storing data, connecting up to other automation workflows, you know not to look any further than the plugin I've been paying for since 1997. Okay, maybe not that long, but it's the first plugin I ever bought and happily renew every single year. Check out Gravity Forms 2.5 All New Builder Experience at gravityforms.com. That's gravityforms.com. Over the last few years, I think one of the most important lessons we've learned is that our community can go beyond WordPress. From the tools and the code to the neighboring softwares we use to get the job done, whatever that job is for you. It could be publishing a simple blog or helping a university with a multi-site solution for an intranet. WordPress is powerful, but the solution can be expansive. Our stack is moving well beyond plugins, and that's a good thing. One person leading the charge to expand our knowledge in this space is Christy Chirinos, former product manager at Liquid Web and now host and creator of the Open Source Economist podcast. Find the podcast at opensourceeconomist.com. If you're selling an open source product or any product for that matter, Christy is someone you want on your team. I'm excited to learn more about the open source space through her new podcast. Okay, don't forget to subscribe at matreport.com slash subscribe. And hey, Easy Support Videos 2.0 came out this weekend. It's a soft launch. Don't tell anybody about it. Be quiet. Quiet. It's a soft launch. EasySupportVideos.com. Okay, let's get into the show. Yeah, so it's really great to be back. My name is Christy Chirinos. Here we are three years later. A lot of my career has changed. The entire world has changed. Everything is different. This is a completely new life. And I was here in 2018 talking about Caldera Forms. Caldera Labs is a company that Josh Pollock, one of the creators of Caldera Forms, and I founded back in 2016. And uh, we did a lot of work with a handful of WordPress plugins. The Probably most well-known one just was Caldera Forms, and we took that plugin from a smaller form builder plugin to one of the leading ones in the world. It was a very cool experience, and I talk about it in the past tense because Ninja Forms, the other very large form plugin, did buy our Caldera Forms plugin. And it's been a really cool experience. Last time I was on, we were talking about the ways in which we were putting in the work and the sweat to grow Caldera Forms and get it to the point where it was really competing on a big stage. Since then, after 2019, I went to work at Liquid Web. 
And I was the uh, product manager for the managed WooCommerce platform for two years working under Chris Lama. Everybody always loves to ask me what that was like. I can tell you that it was awesome. And I learned a ton of really interesting stuff. You're launching uh, a, a podcast called Open Source, or you can find it at opensourceeconomist.com. It's aptly titled Open Source Economist Podcast, right? Did I get that right? Yeah. The, the impetus behind this, and I'm just going to, I'm going to guess we didn't talk about this. I'm going to guess and then I'll have you fill in the fill in the massive blanks that I'm going to leave here. Sweet. But I assume that with your business acumen, everything that you've seen in the WordPress space and how as large as WordPress is, it's just one sliver of the greater open source world. You're going to take all of this knowledge, all of this experience you've had in WordPress, but then just sort of break through that barrier of WordPress being the only thing that we care about into... I guess all things open source, right? From anything from maybe from like the Linux kernel all the way to some random JavaScript package that we don't even know about anymore. And just everything around open source. What what is the the driving motivator to to go after this space? Wow, you basically nailed it. We are 70% of the way there. I can just color in the lines if you'd like. <laughs> It was a lot of that. We've gone over this timeline and it's crazy to me to think that all that time has gone by. It's a lot of time and at the same time, not a lot of time at all. And in that time, what really surprised me about the work that we were doing is that there seemed to be a lot of gaps and disconnects between different parts of the business world. Right. And so our trailer for the Open Source Economist podcast is out today and it'll be available for people to subscribe and get notified when our first episode goes out. Target date for the release there is Memorial Day. And in the trailer, I talk about all of the different experiences I had with Caldera Forms and with Managed WooCommerce, meeting people who are experts in one space, but we're struggling with something that is a basic concept in another space, right? So for example, I talked to brilliant business strategy lawyers who were like, wait, hold on. But if Caldera Forms is free online, then how do you make any money? And I had to be like, okay, let's go all the way back. We have a lot of foundational space to cover. And Matt, you're smiling because to you, that's an obvious thing, right? Every single... Yeah, I, I, yeah. It drives me crazy <laughs> that like even like other big name podcasts that I listen to who are in the startup space, like even This Week in Startups hosted by Jason Calacanis. Uh, he's been a past guest on the show. When I still to this day, like hear him talk about WordPress or open source stuff, it's just like this third, like not even 30 seconds. It's just like this five seconds, like, oh, it's open source. Let's see how they figure out how to make money. And then it's off. And it's just, like, do you realize how big <laughs> just WordPress, WordPress and Linux is in this space? Like, why can't people see value in it? Exactly, exactly. And so you're, you're laughing because you think about this every single week, but then these ecosystems that are right adjacent and we should really be understanding each other's languages don't. And that continued to surprise me over and over and over in different contexts. I had the same opposite experience too. I would go to WordCamps and give some talks on what I thought were really basic concepts, right? Here's what you're liable for when you have an independent contractor versus an employee. Here's a basic formula for calculating your ongoing costs based on your unit growth and what's that's costing you. And I had a lot of WordPress entrepreneurs and people who are making a ton of money and building a lot of really cool products coming up to me saying, wow, I had never been exposed to that. And I was just like, wait, hold on, really? 
right? And I kept seeing all these disconnects in my work as I worked on products, as I worked on client projects, I worked on all this stuff because I was coming in here with the quote unquote formal business background and diving into the WordPress and the open source ecosystem aspect of it. And that is so wild to me because like you said, we're not just talking about WordPress, we're talking about the entire open source ecosystem. It maybe used to be this small thing 20 years ago, but that is not the case anymore. Everything that we are doing is powered by open source software because like you said, at its core, we're looking at Linux, right? Like at mm-hmm. this point, that's, that's everything. This is not like some crazy idea that's existing outside the world of proprietary software. And yet we have regulators, we have investors, we have activists, environmentalists, criminal justice reform people, all of these people working on different things, political scientists, and we're not making the connections between what open source software is doing in the world and what everybody else is doing in the world. A lot of the content that I've been dipping my toe into lately at on the Matt Report is interviewing folks from the no-code, low-code space, mm-hmm. seeing that same passion for just like using a tool. Like, like 10 years ago when we discovered, 10, 15 years ago, depends on when you came into the WordPress world. But when you discovered it, you were like, wow, this is, this is powerful stuff. I can do powerful things. I can build a site, I can build an app, I can start a business. Starting to see the same resurgence of excitement with no code and low code tools independent of WordPress. Those are largely not open source bubble web flow. You're locked into these platforms. Has there been anything that now that you've taken a step, and I know it has been a short amount of time, but now that you've taken a step away from WordPress with air quotes, is there something surprising to the overall landscape of how people approach or don't approach WordPress and and open source? Or I guess the deeper question is, how do you get people to care about this stuff? Because I see the no code space. I'm like, but you realize you're locked in there on that platform. You're stuck. You can't take it. It's not yours. A lot of people are just like, yeah, but it's so much easier. (laughs) And that's Mm -hmm. the trade. That's the trade they're willing to make versus freedom, open source, independence, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I might say that I'm not thinking about this as stepping away from WordPress. To me, it's a circle right? It's a circle with outer and outer expanding bounds. And I'm just sort of taking one tiny step back into the next outer ring of this giant circle that is technology. And part of the podcast does ask those questions. Where is open source software going in comparison to a lot of the proprietary solutions out there? So the way that the show is structured right now is we're working on season one. It's an educational podcast. It's not interview based. So we're creating all the content and releasing it in a season. And then we'll look at another season down the road. So the topics that we're exploring for launch are things like e-commerce and open source web publishing and open source, environmental sustainability and open source. And a core part of those conversations is what's the alternative? What are the other technology solutions that exist to drive the needs of these specific aspects? And how are we understanding how it all fits together? When is the right choice for open source? When is the right choice for proprietary something? And the conversation brings in different perspectives, right? So for the environmental sustainability episode, I'm bringing in a professor that works on creative team dynamics, and I'm bringing in an actual owner of a sustainable, reusable product company. And I'm bringing in someone who is a 
WordPress community member who builds sites and products and the uh, implements open source software for people doing sustainability work. Those three people are going to have three completely different perspectives on the question you just asked. And the point of the podcast is to put all of those in one place and make you think, look, there's no way or the other, right? The open source developer, the professor, and the entrepreneur that doesn't care about the tech stack and just cares about making an impact in the world are all saying different things. What is the cohesive story here? Well, obviously, I love talking about podcasting. It's how I make it a, a- a living is <laughs> podcasting, <laughs> getting paid by Castles to be a, a podcaster. But and I want to get into the more creative side of it. But is there a topic in your new upcoming portfolio of of work here, the body of work with your new podcast? Is there a new topic or new space that is new to you, but also challenging to you? Like, boy, I never never thought I'd be in open source government talks or something in a, in a space that maybe you were like, boy, this is this is a little scary for me, but also I'm all in because the, the, the scarier it is, the more we learn and the more we sort of stretch ourselves out. Definitely most of my lived experience is, wow, this is a little scary, but I guess we're going to step into this. Taking on this podcast for me in itself is a big challenge. I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've co-hosted a podcast, but I've never ran the show myself. And so that on its own is really challenging. Topic-wise, I am putting together a couple of episodes for season one that are in spaces I'm not super familiar with, like artificial intelligence, blockchain, and the open source software that is driving those fields forward. It's a rudimentary exploration, but even then I kind of have to take a deep breath and say, okay, you don't have to know everything about artificial intelligence. That's why you're bringing in experts and we're exploring the concepts. You just have to know how to ask the right questions, but that's a little unnerving. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I know like you and I were, you know, really well, well involved, is that deep, deeply involved in the WordPress community space. And we talked to a lot of folks about WordPress as much as, as we criticize, you know, good and bad, not just, just being critical of the WordPress space. I don't know of any other open source piece of software. And maybe it's because I have my blinders on and maybe because something like your podcast will help. But is there another piece of open source software that's out there that's as passionate of a community as large as a community, as engaged as a community as WordPress, maybe Linux, right? Uh, flavors of Linux and Linux communities, but I don't know of many podcasts, events, conferences, live events, you know, trainings, all of this stuff. Is there a, an open source community out there as similar to WordPress that you know of? As similar to WordPress in the way that you're speaking about, so the annual WordCamps, the generally speaking, still decentralized nature of it, the large involvement. I I don't know that I would assert there's one as massive, but there are certainly many that are extremely active and passionate. I think we're seeing that all over the place with working at Liquid Web and the acquisition of Nexus. I got to learn a whole lot about the Magento open source community, and they are big, active, powerful, and passionate in the way that every WordPress person that I have met also is. The blockchain community is 
huge. And, you know, saying blockchain community at this point is practically irrelevant. It's like saying the PHP community, because there's so many (laughs) subsets of the community that are coming together to work on different aspects, blockchain for social impact, uh, cryptocurrency specifically, NFTs specifically, so on and so forth. And so I think that we're seeing a ton of different communities that do exist. And maybe even there's walls to be broken down between the different open source communities, right? A big theme that the new podcast season one explores is there's this massive conversation surrounding how do we make open source sustainable? Right now, this whole thing is volunteer driven and a lot of the maintainers are overworked and there have to be solutions outside of the world of open source communities, whether from a management perspective, a legal perspective, some sort of perspective on how to solve that problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I have my blinders on because I I remember my first conference that I ever went, like first tech conference I ever went to was uh, DrupalCon, which was Drupal. It's the word camp for Drupal. <laughs> and that was the first <laughs> one that I went to. And there was this was so many years ago. I want to say 2007, 2006, when it was in Boston. And it was like thousands of people there. And I was, my head was like spinning, like this many people care about this thing called Drupal at the time. And I, I only went because a company that I work for, we acquired a development team and they, all they did was use Drupal. So I was like, I guess I'll go to this DrupalCon thing and figure out what these nerds are talking about. And I got there and there was like 2000 of them. I was like, oh my God, there's a lot of people here that are involved in this. And I can only imagine what it's like today. We talked about like some of the challenging spaces that you might be looking at. Is there one that you're just generally like really excited to talk about other than WordPress, uh, the blockchain, NFT, stuff like that? Is there one that you're really like, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to dive into this topic? I know this sounds like a total cop out, but I'm honestly really excited about all the content that we're working on so far for season one. This is a concept of a podcast that I've wanted to put out for so long. I think that maybe if I had to answer that more directly, I'm actually really excited about the topics that focus in not necessarily on specific technologies that are big discussions right now, but rather on creating definitions. So there's two episodes in season one. One of them is the new labor market surrounding open source. And the other one is the new business models of open source. And those two bring in examples from all sorts of different open source communities, right? We're talking about React, we're talking about WordPress, which is huge in that context. We're talking about web hosting companies. So we're not zooming in on the technologies, like the way that the artificial intelligence and blockchain episodes do and intimidate me a little bit. But instead, we're thinking about the business aspect across the entire space horizontally. So for example, for the new labor market, we're talking about all these jobs that now exist because of the massive proliferation of open source software. We didn't have developer evangelists. You know, we didn't have full-time open source contributors. We didn't have sponsored people by GitHub. All of these things have created a new labor market that the old guard of corporate management doesn't understand. And I'm so thrilled to make that connection and talk to the open source developer audience and the WordPress audience about what a labor market is and how it evolves and how, you know, a professor of economics might think about it. And I'm really excited for the academic and investor audience to think about 
all these new jobs that exist and how companies that are on the cutting edge are hiring for these things instead of traditional roles like, you know, traditional sales pipelines, traditional advertising teams. So that's one that I'm super excited about. It's not necessarily about a technology. The other one, the new business models episode is very similar. Going back to lawyer that asked me, wait, if it's free, how do you make any money? We're talking and defining all of those types of dynamics. What's a productized service company? What is a support and licensing for free software business model? What's the digital experience platform? Same sort of deal. We're connecting the old guard to the people that are in there getting their hands dirty and defining and trying to spread and grow these concepts. I want to pull a thread from the sustainability aspect, especially on the on the WordPress side. And feel free to answer it as in-depth or as political as you, <laughs> you want. <laughs> but the first thing that comes to my mind, one that's really near and dear to, to my heart, is when I first got into the product space of WordPress, it was through themes and plugins, uh, first themes and then plugins. But I remember submitting my themes to, to WordPress.org. And there's no you know, there's guidelines, but there is no entity that says, yes, no, you passed or you're approved. They're largely just volunteers. And with with that come the, the words escaping me right now, but it is, it, it's too flexible. Like everybody has their own ideas of what gets approved and what doesn't. So yeah, there's guidelines, but then you have whatever it is, 20 volunteers that you filter your theme through, but each of those 20 volunteers has their different opinions, multi opinions, I guess. And that was always very challenging. And, and, and you experienced this too, I'm sure, with yeah. Caldera forms, <laughs> although plugins is uh, once you're in, you're kind of in and just because of the sheer volume of plugin code. But the theme was just like, man, every time you you push something else out, it was reviewed. One person nitpicked another thing. Some people, yeah, I remember submitting my first, one of our first themes was called Journal. And then somebody said it was, it was too, that was too broad of a name. Like that's that's not going to, that we can't approve you because that's too broad of a name. And then like the next month I saw a theme called paper get approved. And I was like, <laughs> what the, what's going on? <laughs> but, at the, and, and then all of this, and a lot of folks listening to this, I understand already know this, this kind of story, but a lot of this volunteers catch a lot of heat for it. And it's not good. It's not good for anyone. And I've always said that if there was a commercial mechanism to all of this stuff, whether it's like a tradition, like the theme forest of word or dot org, the theme forest of themes or marketplace, something where there's structure, people are literally getting paid to do the job so that they can sustain themselves, right? So they're not just volunteers and they're not volunteers taking stress, unneeded stress, sometimes very violent in some of the recent stories that came out uh, with like Mika Epstein from the plugin team. There's no need for that. And there's no need for at the same time, if you're a product owner, as you uh, were in the repo, you you just want to know like concrete, yes, no, why, and how do I perform so I can earn revenue and probably even share that revenue back if it were a traditional marketplace, fine. Take the 20%. That's the tax. I get it. Makes sense. You're helping me deliver this. But that doesn't exist on .org. And that's always been not a thorn in my side, but something I've always, and a lot of people have always been like, man, this is so tough to the point where if there were some strict rules here or some people actually getting paid. If this was actually a job and not a volunteer role, maybe this whole position could be more sustainable. That's a huge grenade of a question, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) let me know what you think about that statement. Yeah, there's so much there that I 
could, I don't know how to answer that question in a single direction because there are so many competing thoughts. I think that if I had to pick a direction that I want to go in, it would be that these are the questions that we need to answer. We are now, we have been at that crossroads for a long time and maybe it was okay for it to be an open question before this stuff was powering over 40% of the internet. And now that we're looking at that, we're going to have to find ways to be sustainable because yes, we are not going to create anything that is healthy or positive for anybody if we have these expectations that open source maintainers who are volunteers can be verbally abused. As a product owner, I have been frustrated at, like you said, the lack of set standards. I have also been the target of plenty of online abuse because my name is there associated with a product. And that opens up so many questions. One of them is the people who are deriving value from you know, a theme like journal, a plugin like Caldera Forms, who are they? What are their motivations? What are they willing to pay? Are they going to be willing to pay more than the current free, right? We're getting all of this questioning in line going on right now. And all of those are economic questions, right? How do we start testing a more sustainable business model for this stuff because the one that we currently have isn't working. Yeah. And the other question is this idea of standards. Well, it's working. Right? It's just not working for everyone. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. And again, that's an economic question, right? Some parties are deriving more value without less pay than others. And so how do you change that structure is a question of money and a question that starts with definition and then experimentation. And our space, for example, WordPress, we don't seem to have a set structure for that. And it's time. And that's the conversation I want to start with the podcast. This podcast isn't going to answer all of those questions, but it's going to create the language for the questions. The other thing that you're talking about is the idea of set standards. If we look outside of the WordPress plugin repository and we think about how the rest of the world has solved that problem, we look at two general options with some stragglers. One is the industry self-regulates which has issues and doesn't, but there needs to be a central body that says, this is what we're doing. This is not what we're doing. That's what a lot of other people do. That may be a controversial thing, but I'm not advocating one way or the other. I'm simply trying to take the two strings and tie them together to say, hey, we need to look over there. We need to look over there because we're having problems that people who aren't in open source web publishing have solved in different ways. We need to pick something. Now, the other way is uh, actual government regulation. We're starting to see some of that, right? For example, in the physical world, in the United States, we have the Americans with Disabilities Act that create standards for how things should be accessible to people who have disabilities. And we are starting now to see some significant legislation surrounding that. So we're taking the things that we learned and then applied to the physical world into the digital world just now today in 2021. So that's a conversation we need to have, yeah, right? Right. Um, so everything that you're talking about, these problems, we need to solve them and we can look outside of where we're living to see what other people have done. And we don't have to repeat what they've done. 
industry self-regulation has so many problems. There is still so many other industries that have this idea of someone getting a lot of value for free or below price where they would have been willing to pay more and that there are structures that we need to fix there to make sure that everyone's kind of getting an even cut. These problems exist elsewhere, but they're not unique to us. And there's a lot to be learned from lawyers, from academics, from entrepreneurs in other industries, from social entrepreneurs to figure out that question. And, you know, you said I can answer it without controversy. And for me personally, this project is interesting because I don't really have an opinion. I don't know that I'm coming into this podcast. I'd have to bust in here like you, Christy Torinos, <laughs> don't have an opinion. <laughs> this is this is fake news right here. In the context of the podcast, though, not really. I want to engage in a role of communicating that I just want to explain what's going on. I want to sit here and put on the analyst hat. I want to tell you about the things that I observed over the last five years in these roles. And I want to tell you about the academic and foundational knowledge that I brought into these five roles and then ask all of these questions moving forward. But keep my thoughts out of it. I'm asking my guests to tell me their thoughts, but for the most part, I want to facilitate a conversation. And primarily my interest is in creating definitions and vocabulary for the problems that we're seeing. Yeah. This is a good segue into the putting on your creator hat and just like approaching creating a podcast and marketing Mm -hmm. it. That's one of the hardest things, you know, for me is whenever I create, like I... You know, I have a YouTube tutorial channel, which has been largely neglected since I took a, a day job at Castos. But it's so hard for me to just like show somebody how to use like whatever, like Caldera forms and not just like shower it in opinions, right? Like not, nothing <laughs> against Caldera, but just like, and why you should think about picking a good plugin, why you should be thinking about, you know, supporting a great company to the point where it's just like, there's a fault to those, to that crowd, that, that, that crowd that wants that piece of content. They don't want my opinions. They just want me to report on how to do this tutorial. And with my new podcast, the WP Minute, it's the same thing. It's like, I am trying to keep my, I just want to report it. Just boom, here it is. Here's the news headline and just keep my mouth shut (laughs) and keep going. Very difficult for me. When you sat down to, to, was the podcast the first thing that came to mind that you wanted to do when you sort of ended ended your t- tenure at at Liquid Web, or was that the first thing that came to mind? Is this a step to to something else coming, service or product? Is this just the the early get, early days for you on this? Yeah, that's a really good question. The content concept is something that I had been sitting on basically since I started doing this work, because I noticed it early on. To me, it was surprising that I was coming in and just having a little bit of this academic background made a big difference in the way that people were interested in what I had to say and in the questions that I was being asked. So that was really curious to me. And I had already started to think the first time four years ago that I heard a conversation about, we don't know how to price our WordPress plugins. I was already thinking to myself, hold on, outside of this ecosystem, the structures for pricing are 
relatively straightforward. We just haven't sat here and accurately defined the inputs. And there's a lot of back and forth about what those might be. So of course, we don't have a defined structure for pricing. And so I had already been thinking about that. What I hadn't decided was the format that I would want it in. I had talked to a couple of people about it and just batted around the type of media that it could be. Maybe it was a video course. Maybe it was a series of blog posts. I remember Kyle Maurer from... Yeah, he also has his own podcast and is super involved in the WordPress community. I had talked to him about this probably in 2018. And I remember we batted around all these ideas. And then he sent me this list of the book I should write on this topic by chapter. And so... (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'll just do that this weekend. Yeah, let me just bang it out, you know? (laughs) And so the content concept had existed, but I didn't really know how to get it out there and in what media. And uh, over the past five years, I got to know myself as a content creator. When I started doing this work, I was coming in again as an analyst and strategist. And I entered a world in which content creation was number one, two, and three topic of discussion. So five years, I got to know myself. I'm not really amazing at blog posts. I'm okay at video, but it was podcasts where I did really well. And so when I decided to move on from Liquid Web, it had been two years. After that experience, I knew the media that I have to choose for this, that's going to work for me and actually get pushed over the edge, uh, over the line without me having to like pull my own hair out trying to get it done would be a podcast. And so I had the content concept. Now I had the media and then I had to figure out what the topics were going to be, move on from there, how I wanted to publish it, what kinds of resources I'd want to bring in. And uh, as far as part of a larger plan, yeah, this is an exploration that I wanted to do. Something that I've told everyone who asks is that I don't see the open source economist as being the kind of thing that goes live into your podcast player every single Tuesday at 9 a.m and we bring you fresh new content. I see it as a season-based thing. We take a pause and we take stock of everything that's going on. We come up with a catalog and then we push it out as a season, right? And then we take a break and then we take another visit as seeing what's going on because it's not an interview podcast. It's educational and it drives conversations about, hey, these are things that we need to be thinking about, points things out and asks just as many questions as it answers. So the larger scheme for me is I want to do more of this. I've sat there and I have grown a product that was an open source project that had a commercial aspect to it. I have done client and agency work. I've done infrastructure and web hosting work. And so my interest now is to sit back and now start describing what I've seen for interested parties. A lot of those are going to be the entrepreneurs in our own ecosystem who want to figure out how to grow, who want to figure out how to fall out the top of those funnels, who want to figure out how to create an effective team with calculated costs for working on open source software. But beyond that, there's other interested interested parties that need someone to, again, tie those strings together and make those connections. There's a ton of questions going on in the regulation space, right? We need standards about what websites should look like now that everything is a website. It's not just some random thing that some people have in addition to their brick and mortar stores. There is growing interest from investors, 
right? People who formerly said, hey, you know what? Like it's it's free stuff. There's nothing proprietary there. So there's nothing of value to acquire. They're now saying, hold on, that's not true. <laughs> right. And so one of the episodes of season one is an absolute essential in my opinion, which is what are buyers looking for when they're acquiring open source software that is technically available for anybody to use. What are we buying? And so I've had conversations with people outside the space who, again, you're going to laugh, you know, will say things like, so Christy, can you explain to me like what the different value propositions between WordPress.org and WordPress.com are? (laughs) <laughs> yeah see you're laughing you're laughing but <laughs> yeah, can't help but laugh can't help but laugh you, you haven't seen it from our eyes that's why buddy <laughs> right 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 but it's really difficult to get an <clears throat> answer that is in the language of an investor and the language that they need and use to calculate the value of whatever they're assessing from someone who can just tell you the what of it, right? It's like, well, you know, this one is this company and then this one is this open source project. It's like, okay, but stop using that jargon and explain it to me like I'm an investor who needs to think in terms of P&Ls, who needs to think in terms of what are the assets and what are the liabilities and what is everything else that's coming in there. And so, yeah, for me, the podcast is part of... I guess my own desire to do work that is on the analyst and description and uh, yeah, just strategic and for everyone who would benefit from this as everything that we're seeing essentially enters what we would call a maturity stage in, you know, the language of sort of product life cycles and all of this type of diagrams and frameworks that are defined in the world of strategic management, but not necessarily in our open source communities. And the sustainability of your of your own podcast, of your own product, how, how do you set out, or if, if you are setting out to monetize the podcast or support the podcast, any plans or structure, infrastructure around that? Yeah. So we have set up a supporter option. If this is something that is interesting to you, then you can give us some support on the opensourceeconomist.com. Throw us a throw us some change month to month to keep it <laughs> happening and keep the content coming. We are looking at making some additional premium content available for the people who support the podcast. So namely what that's going to be right now is the full conversations between my guests and I, the way that the podcast content works is we're doing a lot of education and bringing in definitions and stories from the guests and cutting them in. So if you want to hear the entire conversation that I had with blockchain experts, with artificial intelligence experts, then that it will go out to supporters as well as the slides and the things like that, that I am creating as part of the educational process of the podcast. So that's a component of it. But largely what I'm looking at from a creative creator standpoint, right? It's it's a form of content marketing for the work that I want to be doing, taking a step back and doing more of an analyst and strategist role now that I've been in the weeds and have grown these products and can point and say, look, I have the toolkit to do this. Let's explain it and let's figure out how we can apply it in different contexts in and outside of technology. What does that look like for you? This is one of the final questions here. What does that look like for you as as like a product or service? So people listening to this now, they say, okay, Chrissy's got the body of work. She's proven 
that she knows the material and can bring value to our organization. Let's say Microsoft. Microsoft is like, hey, we want to dedicate five people to contribute to core WordPress. Let's hire Christy to, to sort of map this, what this looks like out for, for Microsoft. Is that a fair assessment of what you'd be doing uh, as, a jo- as a job, air quotes again? <laughs> Absolutely. So the general buckets of the product is growth strategy, new product development and launch strategy, creative team dynamic strategy, and analyst and reporting information based on the publicly available information that may not be immediately apparent to someone who doesn't know the ecosystem. So that's sort of the four topics that I'm working on pushing out content about with the open source economists, as well as providing services and letting people who find all of this helpful figure out a way to plug into it and derive value. In taking a three steps back. I was laughing as you were asking this question because I hate this so much. I have spent (laughs) so much time making fun of management consultants because I just think it's the worst thing ever. I have this hot take where I just can't stand the idea of someone fresh out of college going into management consulting and telling people running and selling businesses what to do. So I think it's really important to have actual, practical, real-world experience doing the thing that you're saying you're going to help people do before you go into it. But once that exists, it's the business model of very, very traditional management consulting. And it is ultimately uh, the space that was really interesting to me that I got a formal education in and did all of sort of my work training in. And so I'm really excited to have learned and continue to learn. This isn't over. It's not over in any way, shape or form. Every single work that I do from this point forward is going to continue to teach me things, but really now start applying that lens and get it moving forward and hopefully make a change and start some definitions and really get in there and create structural change, not just product growth, but also product growth. The open open source economist.com. Open source economist.com. You're here, you're listening to this today. The website's available today. Go check it out. Open source economist.com. Christy, thanks for hanging out today and talking about your new venture. Where else can folks find you to say thanks? Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be back. I am available at christychirinos.com is my website. I'm going to spell that for everybody because my name is a minefield for just about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E-C-H-I-R-I-N-O-S. It's christychirinos.com. And you can find the podcast specifically at opensourceeconomist.com. We'll be out there. It's live today. You can subscribe and listen to the trailer. And I'm really excited to bring this to life. It's going to be so fun. Awesome. I'm excited for you. Excited for where you're going to go as uh, a podcast creator. Everybody else, matreport.com, matreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. We'll see you in the next episode. Hey, still here? Uh, you might have heard me say Easy Support Videos 2.0 is out. EasySupportVideos.com. EasySupportVideos.com. It's the most fun way to help your customers with WordPress using video. So if you record videos, if that's something that you do, you create screencasts, you make tutorial videos, welcome videos, documentational videos for your customers. I have a plugin called Easy Support Videos. You can try it for free by searching WordPress.org 
for easy support videos or going to easysupportvideos.com. Version 2.0 is out, which means uh, you can now put little pop-ups inside of your WordPress admin for your customer to remind them how to use the post screen, how to use the page screen, how to add new users. You can put a video on any one of those admin pages or a nice welcome video uh, that loads globally across their WordPress admin dashboard to get them started using WordPress the way you developed it with the plugins you have, maybe with the page builder you're using or custom fields, that kind of thing. You need to let them know how to use all of this stuff through video easysupportvideos.com. Try the plugin for free. Let me know what you think. If you want to buy the pro plugin for $59 a year, I'm going to give you 30% off for being a Matt Report listener. Type Matt Report 30 at checkout. Matt Report 30 at checkout. easysupportvideos.com. Thanks for listening to the episode. Thanks for checking out Easy Support Videos. Let me know what you think. Talk to you soon.